Welcome to the chase. The Chiefs is a white arc podcast aimed at specifically giving you an insight into what makes great leaders and entrepreneurs in a variety of organizations tick. We call them Chiefs. My name is James Chuffatelli, and together with my White Arc co-chief, Joe Hands, we're going to attempt to take you on a journey and talk to as many chiefs across as many industries as we can to give you an insight into A, what makes them tick, and B, what makes their enterprises thrive, and more importantly, what they've learned along the way. The Chiefs. Leading and being an entrepreneur can be a really lonely role. So we believe that learning from other great people, other great chiefs, is the best resource we can have. The topics will range from leadership, data, go-to-market, company culture, and we'll engage in one-on-one conversations to bring out the thoughtful insights and helpful advice that you can take to your next endeavour. For our opening edition of The Chiefs, we thought we'd interview each other. And today I'm going to interview Jo Hands and give you a perspective on what makes her tick and how we came about starting this great white arc journey that we're on together. Today, it's my absolute pleasure to kick off our inaugural Chiefs podcast. And I thought I'd take advantage and interview our very own resident Chief, Joe Hands. So, Joe, welcome to the Chiefs. Thank you. I'm excited. I can't wait to hear the questions you're going to ask me. So I'm looking forward to getting a few insights and what makes you such a super leader and super, super chief. So I always like to start off nice and light. In one word, how would you describe yourself? Fun. Fun is a very, very good word for you, Johan. So great word. So tell, it's, hard, so, it's hard to limit it to one word, but if I have to limit it, that's the word. Well, that's why we think it's, a, it's only appropriate that you, you're in, in the inaugural first. And you did well. One word is fun for Joe Hands. So, what's your story? Tell tell our uh, our listeners and and our our white archers. Tell tell us a little bit about Joe Hands. What's your story? I have an interesting story. I was the youngest of three children and was actually brought up in a household where my dad. So I lived on the church's land and in their buildings and was very much for my whole childhood and adulthood until I got married, really very heavily involved with um, church and what my dad was doing around that. Not to say that I'm not doing that anymore, but I think my life has changed significantly um, since I finished high school. So I very much had a passion when I finished high school for accounting that mainly came from my accounting teacher at high school who was very supportive and was very encouraging of me doing accounting. I was very lucky to get a graduate position at Ernst & Young and after spending 10 years at Ernst & Young in audit and doing some transactional services, I ventured to Telstra where I took a range of different finance roles at Telstra um, and at that point, Telstra had 800 people in their finance team, but I was um, one of their senior leaders. I then ventured on to a company that Telstra owned called Census, and I, find, I found the company really interesting. But where it changed for me from a career perspective was in 2014 when the Census business was bought by a private equity called Platinum Equity. And this is where I saw the significant difference of a business being run by private equity, having a really clear, aligned and changing strategy compared to how it was being run out of a different ownership like Telstra. And this is where my passion for 
private equity, strategy, data and analytics, and really how data and analytics drives your strategy and your operations really came to life. I was heavily involved in the transformation of the business in my role as CFO, but more broadly in other executive roles in the organisation. And it's from there that I started to work more heavily with private equity investments in Australia and more globally. Over the last couple of years, I have done a range of different roles from interim CFO roles to contract um, or consultancy roles. But really, my strength is around delivering an outcome from an organisation. So how you take strategy and how you implement that strategy. And I have a very big passion around using data and analytics and insights to drive that. So I'm not your typical consultant and I'm definitely not your typical CFO, but I really have a passion and have seen the impact that driving strategy and operational excellence off the back of data can have on an organisation. I could probably spend hours just asking you about your first question, which was fun, but we'll, we'll save that for another podcast. But I'm really interested in in that part of your story where, you know, from Telstra, 800 people, amazing organisation, probably a really strong rigour and around transformation and delivery and data. What were the biggest difference? And then you said that one of the most enjoyable transitions was mm-hmm. going to and you had a real passion for that and under private equity I think you said platinum equity what were the biggest differences because you kind of had a senior finance role at Telstra then a senior finance role at Census but you know what you almost jumped out of your chair what were the biggest differences in the application what did you learn if I I break it down to three main things I think the first thing is being really clear around your strategy And um, the private equity strategy really was around focus on your core, focus on actually the thing that's going to give you the best outcome, right? And under Telstra, our focus was really about generating customer numbers or specific kind of customers like digital customers, but we were were too broadly focused on what we were trying to do. So we definitely narrowed down under, under private equity. And I think the second thing was, Definitely, there was a focus from private equity on using our data and analytics to drive our strategy. So to drive our sales strategy, our pricing strategy, our go-to-market strategy, and using that data to report back. And even though we had the data under the Telstra ownership, we didn't use it in the way we did until we got to the private equity world. And I think, so I think that was my second thing. And my third thing was around accountability. So it was very strong around that you know, who was accountable for what and where there was murky accountability under the old ownership structure, being really clear about the accountability on the in the new structure going forward and putting incentives around that structure to make sure that people feel like they're actually going to get re- recognised if they perform, I think drives a completely different culture and a completely different financial outcome. And, you know, there's other things, but they would be my kind of three takeaways. That's amazing, Joe. So if I can just paraphrase, the first one was really being around clear on focus. So I think you might have used the word clear priorities on on what was the core business you're in. So being really narrow on focus and clear. Was that one or two things or was it just a bang, this was it? I think it's one thing, being clear on priorities. Great. The second piece I heard, Joe, was very much underpinned around using data to underpin 
whatever or, or to validate whatever that focus was. So really the importance of of being grounded in data, not on gut feel, but on on absolute data. Exactly. And I think what we actually learned was the richness of the data. And I think, you know, we did a lot of work on product, customer profitability, and it really drove how we went to market, right? And how we structured our sales force and what our operational backend looked like. So it wasn't just data for the sake of it or analysis for the sake of it. It was actually used as a driver to drive strategy and operational improvement. That's awesome. And then the third one, which I think is really, really amazing, you know, through my career, I've seen this done well and not and not done well on other occasions, where you spoke about accountability and, and, and really clear around rewarding the outcomes off the back of that data and having a narrow focus. So really rich insights. Narrow the focus, use data to really underpin and validate that focus, and then put people on a point and make sure they're accountable. Three really, really rich bits of information. Thank you. Having met some of your your team and what have you, you are a leader in every sense of the word. So, you know, people who have worked for you, who I know, absolutely loved working for you. So I'd love to know from your perspective, what makes a great leader? What's important to you in the context of leading a team? I think that as you, I mean, I'm one of these people has has every textbook under the sun about leadership and I read a lot of books and I listen to a lot of podcasts, but I think it's experience that's probably got me to the point where I continue to learn and develop what works and what doesn't work. But for me, I think there's probably three key things. One is challenging your staff, giving them context, but challenging them to solve the problem rather than solving the problem for them. So giving them the context, but allowing them to solve the problem is my number one. Um, Number two is asking the right questions. And, And that to me comes back to really listening, which I'm not, I'm learning at being better and better at, which is really listening to what people tell me and asking the follow up questions to get to the bottom of the why. And the third thing in my mind, which is I think something that gets missed a lot, is actually actioning things. So you can spend a lot of time spending time with your team, asking them how to fix things, asking them how to change things. But if you don't actually put some of that into action and you don't show them that you're actually there to support them and unblock the roadblocks and help them be successful in their role, it's all lip service, right? And so actually actioning what they tell you is, I think, probably the most important piece. I love your focus on giving them context up front, but then stepping back and allowing them to own that 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 context or that problem statement. You described that as the way to do that, I think was your second point, was ask them the questions, make sure that you keep accountable for the actions. So yeah. I, I think three great tips. You know, someone like yourself who's been at CFO in organisations, one of the biggest private equity transitions and positive impact transitions in the country. Who do you learn from? Who who inspires you and how do you learn? So there's not one person, but how I learn, I'll be honest with you, is I think I learn from making mistakes and actually working out what works and what doesn't work. So every team that you go into and every environment you go into, you have to pivot your style. You have to pivot your approach. You not only have to pivot your approach for the people you're working with, you have to pivot your approach for the, the company and the way they operate and the way they do things. And so... For me, it's just about really reflecting on when things aren't working and working out, actually, how do I change that up? So, for example, you know, I I completed an assignment, a consulting assignment on a $1.7 billion acquisition about four months ago. And when I first went in in the first couple of weeks, what they engaged me to do, I realized quite quickly that it actually wasn't what they actually needed. 
And so I re-pivoted what I actually needed to help them on. And by doing that, I was able to really lead the team that I needed to lead around me. And I think for me, I reflect on people that have led me that have, have had really good quality attributes. And I think about how to take those attributes and make sure that I'm reflecting them back out, you know, listening, responding, actioning, you know, being firm, holding people to account, and people ultimately respect you for that. I think my style is quite different to other people, but generally people who work for me enjoy working for me. And, you know, I'm I'm happy to make the tough calls. Sometimes people just won't cut it and they actually need, they're not the right person for the team. And actually as a leader, if you don't make that decision, it impacts your whole team. And so you don't realise the impact it's having. So it's making the hard decisions as well. Not sure that answered your question. No, I actually think it was fantastic. So basically, you've brought agility or the word agile to another level. But so basically, what you're saying is you learn by doing, which I think is so, 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 so powerful. But I actually love, so you learn by doing. I love the way you actually talk about your team. Your point around every organisation does it a little bit different, right? So what you've basically said is each organisation does it different. So you learn from those differences it's so important that you, a lot of people don't acknowledge is you you're present enough joe in your leadership style to be learning by that doing and pivoting that if you need to change you do right yeah. because a lot of people don't recognize every leader on our journey teaches us something and you you mentioned on a couple of occasions that you know you, you've had leaders along the whole way that you've you've learned from mostly by listening. So I think that's so, so powerful. And, and the underpin that you kept referring to was your team, your team, your team. I think you might have even used the words that you're still looking to perfect this, but I'm sure you do it very well, given that you're a person who loves the word fun, but, uh, you know, commu- to communicate with them. So some real rich insight there. Thank you so much. Right, now we've got a, a couple of little fun questions just to round us off. I hope you're okay with it. What are, what are a couple of your greatest personal values? Mm, that's good that's a good question I think connection connection for me is you know I I did the Bene Brown um, dare to lead program earlier in the year which was actually a fantastic program and she always says you shouldn't have too many values and I had struggled to get mine down but connection how I connect with people I connect with my friends my family my clients that is something that's really valuable to me the second thing is achievement so you can call it whatever word you want but in whatever I decide to do in my life whether it's personal or it's professional I want to make sure that I achieve right that I'm successful that I deliver what I say I'm going to deliver and for me that you know the kind of personality type I am that is really important to me right I'm very big about you make promises you make commitments and you follow through on those promises and those commitments And I think underlying integrity, you know, yes, it's a value that's thrown all around a lot. A lot of people say it, but I very much am someone who's true to my word. I do believe and want to operate and work with people who have integrity. It's something that's been, you know, brought in really in my value stream from how I was brought up with my dad and what he really valued, which was he really valued that kind of um, integrity piece and people who have integrity. So that would be, I mean, there's a lot of values I've got, but they would be my kind of top three. 
I love it. So yeah, connection, achievement, and integrity. I love it. again. It's underpinned by people. You, you know, I think in connection, you spoke about your, your family, your friends, your colleagues. Yeah, you know, very much people aren't achievement. You spoke about earlier around accountability and making sure the delivery of outcome. And I love the integrity piece, right? I mean, doing what you say you're going to do. So good on you. So now you've started White Arc. Talk to me about White Arc and uh, how that came about and what you hope to achieve in this next chapter. Well, I have a really cool co-founder called <laughs> Chuff Kelly. <laughs> the um, He doesn't take drugs, but um, <laughs> I know of. Um, but, um, uh, well, we can organise anything, Joe. <laughs> just pod rule. <laughs> um, you know what? I think one of the big things when you're sitting in a CFO or an executive role in an organisation is getting people in who can understand the problem and help you execute it. And so many companies these days get consulting help in and they do these beautiful PowerPoint packs, but they don't actually help execute the results. And that difficulty is in the execution. And the statistics show that, you know, over 80% of executions are not successful. And so over 80% of transformation programs aren't successful. And so our difference is actually we're here to actually implement and help you implement and execute your plan. And that's actually the hardest bit, but that's our sweet spot. That's actually where we add a lot of value. So we're going to bring the data and the analysis. And and I think that that's completely underrated in a lot of the consultancy work, but we're also going to bring the arms and legs of people who have done it, who aren't just talking theory, who know the pitfalls, the pitfalls, I don't know what pitfalls are, but um, who know the pitfalls, (laughs) who, who understand the difficulty of how you take people along the journey, the understand the, the trickiness that you have as a leader of making some of these hard calls and it can come along that journey with you. And so you and I really identified that when we were at Census and we're very passionate about helping other companies actually implement transformation programs successfully, whether it's in private equity or more broadly. And with our breadth of skill set right across the value chain, you and I have the ability and the bench strength in all of the people in our network and under our white arc banner that we can bring the skills capability to organizations to help them drive the outcome that they want and i think that the i'm so excited about the opportunity i really think we can add significant value i think that you know our brand is fantastic in the market and we're passionate about helping businesses solve problems you know what, Joe? I think you said that. So we're going to put you in charge of business development. That was that was beautiful. <laughs> but can I tell you what really resonates for me? And you know, we're absolutely uh, locked in at the hip here on this one. Is good strategy that just falls down when it goes to execution, and and some of that falls down because the strategy for all the right intent gets a market in the way that needs to get to market or people aren't accountable in the way they need to be accountable or rewards unaligned or or we missed a piece of data. So I think bring that strategy and align it uh, with execution. So look, I wish you all the great success in the world uh, and myself, of course, uh, for, for, for what? A couple of silly questions. What's your favourite animal? So, you know. Oh, a dolphin. God, why a dolphin? Oh, you have to Google it, but it relates to sexual stuff. But you told me I'm not allowed to talk about sexual stuff on the podcast. Yeah, yeah. so so this is a very clean podcast. But, uh, yeah, okay, so anyone who's interested in knowing any more about why Joe uh, loves dolphins, directly message her, her the, uh, you know, put, 
spare about four hours and she'll give you a response. Uh, what, what, what are your, a couple of your key interests outside of work? So when you're not white arcing or, uh, you know, working in an Australian super right now, what are some of your key interests? I like going out for really nice meals. Not sure that's an interest. I like. I really like going to the movies because I feel like my brain can actually shut off from what's happening because my brain keeps spinning. So I really enjoy that. I actually have got a real love for puzzles. For some reason, I've got myself into jigsaw puzzles. So they keep me sane on the days that I need a little bit of a distraction. And, you know, not so much in the last six months, but, you know, I was really, I'm really enjoying my fitness stuff and getting out and going for a walk in the country or going for a, like going for a spin on the spin bike or whatever. So they're the main things. Someone who's as busy as you, I think it's a credit to you that you've got a perspective outside of work. So well done to you. I know it's hard now through COVID. One last question, having come from such a a well-esteemed family and a dad who obviously had a big impact and was a great storyteller in his community as a parishioner, how do you want to be remembered? That's a really interesting question. I want to be remembered as somebody who makes a difference to people's lives. And that isn't just from a professional sense, that's from a personal sense. And I do have, you know, passions in different areas around definitely supporting women and younger women and some of those aspects. But I want to be somebody who's remembered for making a difference. Johans, thank you for for your time. So that brings to to the conclusion uh, our very first edition of The Chiefs. I want to thank the very (laughs) special Johans for being our very first big chief and we hope uh, to everybody who is listening to to us today or whenever it is that you listen to us that we were able to actually glean some perspective or some insight that you otherwise may not have had so uh, hopefully uh, you got something rich from it uh, we'll keep sharing from the best minds in the business again johans thank you so much stay safe <laughs> keep having fun <laughs> forward to uh, getting an insight maybe on why those dolphins are so important to you until (laughs) next time thank you have a good day the chase